Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, you can check me out on Facebook Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys and on Instagram. Um, you can also send me an email, Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. I'm going to be giving away some of the book, My Blood Divides and Unites, on social media. So check me out on all those platforms so you can learn how to win. I'm going to be giving away that book and another book. But the other book is a surprise. So you got to play to win both books, okay? Just check that out. Right now, though, we're going to be talking about PTSD, that stands for post-traumatic stress disorder, term maybe in relation to, you know, soldiers, but many other people get PTSD. So I have a specialist, a licensed psychologist, to talk to us this morning about what does that mean, how to handle it, you know, who's most likely to get it. Uh, especially right now we're dealing with this COVID epidemic. I'm sure people are going to have PTSD from this situation. Um, she, her name is Susan Board. Dr. Board, are you there? Hi, yes, I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. Um, thank you again for coming on the show and taking the time out uh, of your day, morning, to, to do this. Um, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, how are you dealing with the COVID, doctor? You're a doctor. How are you dealing with the COVID situation? <laughs> um, probably similar to um, a lot of us. It's, it's been quite an adjustment, and I've been adjusting kind of as I go along. So, I think I had some initial ancient anxiety um, at the beginning, um, and then so I've just kind of dealt with that by learning as much as I could about it, paying attention to the reports from, you know, the CDC and the recommendations. And then, you know, implementing those things in my own life and, and in terms of how I operate, you know, making sure I kind of wash my hands, that I wear masks, that I social distance. Um, and so I've kind of put it, put it into perspective and um, am taking every precaution that I can. Yeah, I mean, I know people on the, like, a wide spectrum. Like, some people are totally OCD, and then some people are like, oh, I, sit, um, I can go on the airplane and, and go this place and that place. And I'm like, what? You know, I, I think right. I'm in the uh, I'm in the middle where I'm like I'll go out, you know, I I you know wash my hands, I, I cover, I have the face mask, 
Um, you know, I, I I do miss though the interaction of being around your friends. Um, and unfortunately, you can't go see your family in a certain situation, so that um, makes it difficult. Now, you've uh, worked for the Department of Veteran Affairs as a team leader for women with dual diagnoses, um, mental health and substance abuse, and um, you focus on trauma treatment. Let, let, let me ask you this. What, what's a long definition of post-traumatic stress disorder? What's like the techie talk for, well, what does that mean? The techie talk for PTSD is that essentially PTSD is a psychiatric disorder that sometimes develop in people who have witnessed or experienced a traumatic event. By traumatic event, we're talking about natural disasters such as fires or earthquakes, a serious accident of some kind. They could be a part of a terroristic act or have been a victim of it, such as 911, war, combat, or even kind of rape, sexual assault, or abuse. And what happens is that those who develop PTSD have an intense reaction to their experience that can include disturbing thoughts and feelings that last long after that event has ended. And then as a result of these intense emotions that they have, it interferes with their daily functioning. So they're not able to go about day-to-day life um, as they normally would be able to. Do you think men or women are more affected by PTSD? Based on the studies, it seems that women are more affected by PTSD, and that seems to be because women are more likely to experience domestic violence and sexual assault um, and physical assault than men are. Wow, that's crazy. So what are some signs that men may show of PTSD? Uh, Well, the signs and symptoms are actually pretty the same, regardless of kind of race, gender, Otherwise, um, if you want me to, I can go into kind of what those signs and symptoms of PTSD look like, but they don't yes. differ yeah. necessarily based on, you know, gender. It's just it, 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 based, it differs based on the individual and how they're processing the event. Um, so PTSD can be broken down into kind of four basic categories or clusters of symptoms that happen after you experience a traumatic event. The first one is a re-experiencing of the event. And re-experiencing of the event can include your thoughts. It could be dreams or nightmares about the event. It could be flashbacks where you're kind of reliving the event. And these symptoms can be kind of psychological or they could be physiological. So if something happened um, during that trauma and there's a um, certain sight, uh, sound, smell, then those can actually be um, symptoms of re-experiencing as well. The second one has to do with arousal, and that's like how alert um, and engaged we are. So a lot of times okay. those who develop PTSD have difficulty with sleep. You know, their sleep is really interrupted. Um, they might often experience irritability or anger, um, difficulty concentrating, and just being extremely hypervigilant, which means kind of on edge, unable to settle down kind of thing, kind of jumpy all the time. And mm-hmm. they might also have an extreme startle response. Okay. And then the last two um, categories are usually pretty, depending on the type of trauma, pretty um, um occurs often are mood and cognition changes. So depending on the type of trauma that you've experienced, you might um, have some feelings of guilt, shame, anger, you know, depression, that result of that. And then you have thoughts that kind of make those um, experiences magnify. Mm -hmm. And then the last symptom of PTSD is about avoidance. And that's avoidance of certain thoughts, places, or activities and people that make you – remember the event, and a lot of times people try to avoid it because, for one, it's unpleasant, right, and then for two, 
um, they were afraid of having the similar experience that they had when the, uh, the trauma actually happened. Um, other forms of avoidance also include alcohol or drug use, um, trying to stay busy all the time so that, you know, your mind is not idle. Um, but then also isolating and, and pulling away from other people, and others might even avoid going to therapy um, to deal with it. Is there some kind of, say, for example, with this COVID situation, we've been dealing with this now for, what, five, six months, um, and it's gotten, yeah. in some places, progressively worse, and then it goes back down, and then it goes back up. How can you deal with a situation like this COVID where you really, it, you don't know because it keeps going up and down and up and down, um, but soon, hopefully, it's going to keep going down. And when we come out of COVID, so to speak, what can people be doing um, so that they don't have post-traumatic stress disorder or lessen maybe the PTSD? Um, so for those who have PTSD while going through COVID, I think some of our recommendations would be the same. And, and one of the good things is that we try to teach practical skills. So we try to find out what's interfering with the person's ability to kind of recover from what's going on. And so it would be the same with COVID. So if that you have these negative, um, you know, thoughts and, and expectations and, and you're overly, you know, generalizing what things might happen, then, you know, people can learn to just, again, educate themselves by listening to worthy, like, news outlets, right, being careful not to pay attention to too many things that are on, on unreliable sources. You know, you know, Dr. Google may not be the best way to get all of your information, but finding reliable sources. <laughs> right, exactly. News networks to actually get this information. And, again, I think it, it's a process. And I think what happens is that, you know, in the beginning, similar to, like, if someone has a trauma, people will be overly um, hypervigilant, overly nervous, overly cautious, and, and, and do the extreme reaction. And so it's like you have to slowly build yourself into that. And I think the more experiences you have, like you said, the way that you're doing it, finding a middle ground, not being extreme on either end. So not going out and not taking any precautions, but also not staying home and isolating so that you're developing other symptoms. Find a nice middle ground, follow the recommendations, keep yourself informed, and, um, you know, engage that way. Um, and then, you know, if you have PTSD already, then you're going to be practicing some of the skills that you learn in therapy. Um, you know, men don't like to go to therapy. Uh, African-American people think, in some cases, therapy is for white people. How mm -hmm. can you help a friend um, or uh, say, you know, I'm African-American, I want to help my brother or sister, like, you know, we, you need to go talk to somebody. Like, like right. that. And, and at what point do you say that to somebody? You know what I mean? Okay. Like, um, sure. because it's a delicate thing to say, you know, you might need to go speak with somebody about this. How, how can right. a friend help? How can a family member help? Or for your own self, when should you go? Like, no, you're not handling it. You know, it's not handling. It's not being handled. Right. Um, one of the telltale signs in, um, from, from our discipline that we know of is when there is really an interference in how you're functioning. So if you're not able to work day to day, now, again, we know with COVID, some people can be out of work. A lot of people have lost jobs because of it, and that's having, a, you know, an emotional impact on people. But if you're not doing the things that you normally do to have you functioning in a healthy manner, and then especially if you start to engage in behaviors that are dangerous to yourself, um, then that's the time to seek help. And that's the same thing as if you have a family member or a friend and you see that they're doing this, then you're going to address them from the standpoint of someone who just cares about them and their overall well-being. 
Um, because a lot of times what happens is that people don't know that there is help available. And then, as you mentioned, sometimes in the African-American community, there is a stigma that is associated with going into therapy. Um, within the community, it's been talked about as being, you know, taboo. Um, you know, we keep our business, you know, in-house and we don't take it outside. But I think mm-hmm. normalizing um, how things have progressed over the years, even within churches, so that's something that we would often recommend, you know, and that we would often do um, comfortably as African-Americans is go to church and talk to a counselor there. And that's absolutely fine as well because at least you're reaching out to someone. So someone, I think the important yeah. thing is to, to normalize and let them know that it's okay. Sometimes saying, hey, even I'll go with you if you want to go talk to someone and mm. to take the stigma away from it as much as possible so that it doesn't mean that you're crazy um, that you have to go see somebody. You know, we all have life adjustments and things that we have to get to, and, and it, at some point sometimes it's harder than others. Why wouldn't it be um, a good idea to go see someone who can actually help you through that, somebody who's like an objective person, you don't have to worry about them selling your business to anybody else because that's a lot of part of the stigma that people worry about. And then mm-hmm. just encourage them that way. But, again, if you can be as supportive as possible and kind of understanding their experience, relating to their experience, and then offering to be a support during that process. Now, unfortunately, sometimes this goes way, way to the far left, if you will, and people consider suicide. I want to mention that the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Again, one 800 273 8255. Also, there is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health uh, Service Line. That's 1-800-662-4357. Again, 1-800-662-4357. What do you do as a therapist if somebody's trying to commit suicide? So as a therapist, our main thing is to keep people safe. Um, And we let them know at the beginning of any therapeutic relationship that we will maintain confidentiality in most situations. And the only time that we will break situations situations of confidentiality is if we are concerned about their their safety. And and essentially, like, if they're going to end their life or if they're going to really harm somebody else as well. Um, So in that situation, we assess it. So, again, suicide is one of those things that can become very taboo. And what happens is that people may, you know, be afraid um, to share that thought. They may feel shame around it. So as a therapist, it's important for us to not, when we hear that someone is saying that they're having suicidal thoughts, um, and just to find out what's going on that's causing those thoughts to come up. A lot of times what we find is that people don't really want to kill themselves. They just want the problem to end, and they don't know how to fix it. And so they don't want to be in the pain that they're in anymore. They want, don't want to continue to struggle with the problem. So within therapy, when someone is suicidal, depending on the intensity of it, we can actually work through that to help them see that there's other ways to cope and deal with the problem that they have kind of used all of their resources in the moment to deal with. But if someone has really gotten to the point in therapy, so if someone says, hey, yeah, I'm thinking about this more frequently. I've thought about how to do it. I've developed, you know, developed ways to do it, and I've kind of taken some steps toward that. That's when we're more concerned and that we're going to take a more um, significant action to keep that person safe, which might include hospitalization. Um, but if that person is able to um, work with you and be in agreement and you can actually get some family members or some support involved in their treatment, then it may not have to go to hospitalization right away. But if someone has, you know, a plan that I'm going to do this, they have a method, they have access to ways to do that, then we are going to move to try to get them in a safe place where they can't do that 
so they can get some treatment. It might require some med adjustment. And sometimes it just requires time out of the chaos that they're in and go into a treatment setting where they can focus on what's going on and learn some skills to deal with that and learn that there are ways to actually deal with it and that suicide doesn't have to be the answer. What about children? How can parents help children? Because this is really, I'm sure, for teenagers, very difficult. You know, as an adult, you've gone through maybe some struggles. So, you know, you've had a couple of ups and downs and, you know, you've been through some things, you've got some, you know, bruises and bumps. But for teenagers, you know, a lot of kids couldn't have their graduation. Um, maybe the first time they were going to go to so-and-so's house and drink a beer or, or have sex with the guy that they were in love with or the girl they were in love with, um, all types of things, you know, just are completely shut down. They can't go back to school. They're going to be, many of them, at home with their parents uh, or someone all day long, um, not being able to interact with their friends. How, how does PTSD, how do kids and PTSD, how do you help them? Um, so with kids and PTSD, um, some of the treatments are similar in, in that, one, we, we teach not to avoid um, the trauma. We try to teach that, you know, a lot of people who have PTSD, including children, they develop a fear that the, the memories of the event, the thoughts of the event, those type of things from the event can hurt them again. And that's why they significantly try to avoid re-experiencing anything that reminds them of it. And so the task there is to let them know that it's safe and that even though it happened and it was as terrible as they experienced, that it can no longer hurt them. And that just works through the therapy process and some of the strategies that we would use with them. Now, in terms of, again, how do you, you know, keep kids kind of in an okay place in the context of this and everything else that's going on, I think similar to what we do for adults, you try to keep some normalization in the routine, even though it might be modified. So how do you mm-hmm. um, have kids continue to be engaged with others? Um, there are a lot of kids now that are in, engaging in Zoom calls um, for education and connecting socially, um, doing family activities. And I, I would also say, like, limiting time, you know, on social media. Um, and, and if they are on social media a lot, making, making sure that you're monitoring the type of things that they're being exposed to. But if they don't have, you know, that there's a nice and healthy balance between what they're doing, that they're getting some outside time, they're doing some exercise, there's mm-hmm. family time to sit down and talk about things and to make it okay, you know, like to talk about what's going on and to right. normalize that, hey, as a parent, I'm having this experience as well, um, you know, because I'm not able to go to work or, you know, I lost my job or, you know, talk about those things as a family. So I think it's important to try to implement as much balance as possible. And again, trying to keep those social connections that are health family in all the ways that we started doing now through Zoom, through FaceTime, through Skype, um, so that, you know, there's not that isolation pulling within. Um, and then I think people are just learning now that this new way of life that, you know, people are still able to graduate, they're still able to go to school. Um, and then I have, I have even seen some neat things where people are doing things where um, others can do Tribute to graduate graduates. You know, they have the drive. Mm, yes, I know that was really like cool. That. Yep, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. The, so it still kids. makes it an important moment for them. Yeah, it's it's really um, amazing. Um, this this COVID thing is is really strange. Now we also have a lot of racial strife going on right now, um, and yes. and we're seeing it go on. Where in the past, because mm-hmm. we didn't have the social media. Um, how do African Americans deal with that kind of component, the, the racial aspect of it, um, and and even some white people? Because I'm sure there are white people out there 
who are also maybe dealing with it um, because they're empathetic to the African-American situation. But particularly yeah. for African-Americans, you know, they talk about how it affects our blood pressure. Um, but right now, um, many people are saying they're really scared, like really scared. Like they don't know if they go out, go to the supermarket, are they going to come back? You know, but if, if they go out and, and they have to go to this parking lot and they go to their car, are the police going to be there? I mean, really, I think people were talking about it in the news yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. How is that the same way? Are we going to deal with that type of racial um, having a post-traumatic or, I mean, I don't even know if we can say it's post-traumatic because it's all going. Um, well, do we deal with that the same way or, or is there something different we can do as African-Americans to deal with this fear and, and stress of this, the police and everything, you know? Sure, sure. That's a great question. And um, so, it, yes, yes, there is. There's a lot of similarities. So there is a, a legitimate um, it, uh, disorder, if you call it, when we talk about PTSD, racial trauma is a form of PTSD as well. So mm. it's a legitimate form of trauma. And actually the symptoms, again, mimic the same symptoms of, a, a you know, a trauma if it's related to, to rape, abuse, or war. So your reaction to that can be very similar. And so the recommendations, and we've done some talk about this, and there's, you know, there's been a lot of, um, even within the VA, outside of the VA, there's been a lot of race-based conversations within the the field of psychology um, and social work in terms of how to deal with this. But the same type of recommendations, really, um, trying to keep things in perspective, you know, acknowledging the reality of what's taking place, but then how do you protect and care for yourself? Like, so with anything that's going on, we can be worried about, you know, even if we like an analogy, like someone may be really afraid of flying on airplanes because they see that, you know, an airplane crashes and, you know, those things really um, get on the media when they happen. But when you look at the probability of how likely they are to occur, you know, that helps to kind of put it in perspective for you. Uh, And again, that's not to take away, there is a real um, issue that's going on right now, a real threat and a danger. And, um, it's, it is being addressed, but I think, you know, the same things that we would say in other situations is to be aware, you know, be cautious, um, to, to kind of go out in groups when you can, pay attention to times of day that you go out, but also to not let the possibility of that um, stop you from living your life. Because, again, mm-hmm. when we look at it and we can say, oh, there's a lot of violence that's taking place with the police. Uh, we do know that the majority of the police that exist are not committing these type of crimes. And we've seen, um, you know, um, issues where they're actually joining in on the cause. Um, and so, you know, getting back to kind of the response of it, it's just, you know, learning to cope with it. Um, there's something that um, uh, psychologists, I can't think at the moment where, what, what study it comes out of, but they have a racism, a recovery plan that actually lists specific wow. things that you do actually to, to deal with racism. Um, and it's just like a, a, it's a um, not necessarily safety plan, but just a healthy way for you to list down and be very concrete about what you what you can do to deal with this taking place because it is legitimate, and we, we want people to know that it's legitimate and valid, but there are still ways that you can deal with this. Amazing. I, I'm going to have to look it up. I'm going to let people know. I'm going to be posting some of this information that we talked about today. Um, okay. The helpline, the, the substance abuse and mental health uh, helpline, I want to mention again, 1-800-662-4357, 1-800-662-4357. And then also um, there's the, the National uh, Suicide Line, 
Um, I'm going to post that as well. And um, I also found some other um, interesting sites that are online, Therapy for Black Girls, Zen Care, Ayana Therapy, uh, Beams Virtual Therapist Network. Um, I had another young lady on. She had a phone app that allowed uh, Black Therapy Love that allowed people to look up Black therapists. And the black therapist actually had little videos about themselves. So you can kind yeah. of see, like, is this the person you're comfortable with? Because that's important, yeah. too, when you go find a therapist. You don't just have to stay with that one person. You need to investigate them just like they're probably going to investigate you to help you with your problem. You know, um, you, you agree with that, Dr. Board? Yeah. I think sometimes Absolutely. people don't realize they can do that. Like, it's a job interview for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And, and and the other thing that um that points to is that in all therapy it's really important the match between the therapist and and the client the person presenting is very important because that helps to to move the work forward. So if you don't feel comfortable with a person or connected, you know, therapy is not going to be effective. Like research even shows that's one of the main things that makes therapy effective is how connected you feel and how relatable your you know your therapist is. Um, let me ask you about this telehealth. We only have a couple minutes left. Telehealth okay. is that a good thing? Does it really help? I mean, I mean, the person's not in the room with you. Can that really help me if I'm having an issue talking to my therapist on on say the Zoom call or Skype or something like that, or or if it's not Zoom then just on the phone? Will it still be helpful? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, obviously, you know, I'm I'm engaging in telehealth services now or in video based services. And, uh, I'm, you know, I've just personally, um, from a professional standpoint, I've had clients who say that um, they actually enjoy it, that it's working. Now, obviously, we know that it's usually better to be in the room from a therapeutic standpoint because we can see what's going on, the nonverbals, and that's very important within the context of therapy. Mm-hmm. But I yes. think once you have an established relationship with a patient that, um, you know, you, you kind of know the patient, and so that's okay. Um, and then you'll pay attention to other things like, you know, prolonged silence or if you hear a sigh or different things. So you'll still pick up, you know, your training won't go away just because you're over the phone. You'll mm-hmm. still have to kind of know um, that these are some cues that you might need to check in a little bit further. But absolutely, the treatment doesn't change. Um, the modality changes. But, um, you know, the delivery rule will be the same in terms of the message and the skills that you're teaching. And, um, again, I have found um, in doing this with people that the, the response is actually really positive. And um, I, I myself was even a little bit like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. But, you know, we adjust to it, and then it becomes a, a new norm. Um, but it, it is absolutely still effective. That's great because um, I'll let people know that if you have um, um, health care insurance, many health care providers are doing this telehealth, even if it's not mental health, even physical health. Um, you can Absolutely. do a physical health, like, you know, if you're, you're private, uh, PCP, you might need to see them, but they, their office is closed because of COVID. Uh, many people are doing um, video things and um, take a picture of wherever the ailment might be, talk to them about the symptoms, and then if they really feel you need to come in or go someplace, they, they, can, they can advise on that. So don't stay home. Um, and, again, they talk about your regular visits. Don't forget about those, like checkups, you know, mammograms, colonoscopy, um, all types of things you need to get done. Still make sure you get those um, done. That can cause stress as well. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Well, Dr. Board, thank you so much. This has been very informative, and um, audience, I will be posting some of those links and phone numbers on my social media um, so that you can learn more um, about where to get help. Um, Dr. Board, you have a great afternoon, okay? 
You as well. Thank you so much, Joy. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Again, you can follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. Check me out Saturday mornings with Joy Keys on Facebook and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. I'm going to be giving away two books today, a, a combo pack, but you got to do a couple steps to win them. I'll post how to do that. Um, it'll be uh, My Blood Divides and Unite and a surprise book that you won't find out until you win. Um, so, so stay tuned for that and follow on social media. You can also check the show out on Spotify, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes. Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you next, next Saturday. Bye-bye. Every year, millions of Americans are exposed to a contagious virus. What is this virus? It's stigma. Stigma promotes an environment of shame, fear, and silence, which prevents millions of people from seeking help. But there's good news. The National Alliance on Mental Illness believes stigma towards mental illness is 100% curable. So do yourself and everyone a favor. Go to curestigma.org and get tested for stigma. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.